Hello, everybody. Welcome to Health Chatter. Our episode 18 today is on bone marrow transplants and stem cell donation, which uh, should be an enlightening uh, show given, frankly, I don't know much about it and our, and our illustrious guest does. So that's, that'll be great. And Clarence has some, some great background in this as, as well. So we'll get, we'll get into that in a minute. We have an illustrious background crew that does great. I, I say this every, every episode, great but it, it's, it's great exponentially work behind the scenes for us that involves research and uh, the technical aspects of, of this show. We have Aaron Collins and Maddie Levine-Wolf who do research on our various topics. And then we have Matthew Campbell, who is our, our expert technology person who makes sure everything goes smoothly for us. In addition, uh, we have a wonderful sponsor, uh, Human Partnership, which um, is really second to none when it comes to um, community in involvement. And we thank them greatly for, for helping us make this, this podcast a success. And then of course, last but not least is my, my great colleague, Clarence, Jones. He and I um, have chatted a lot over the years, and we continue to do so in a very trusted relationship way. So thank you to everybody. So today we're going to be talking about bone marrow transplants and stem cell donation. We have a great guest with us, Rachel Rich, who's one of the uh, the donor recruitment coordinators at Be The Match, which is uh, an organization that's actually locally. She'll tell us a little bit about that. And um, she's pursuing a, a, a master's in, in public health. And um, that's a great degree. And for those of us who have one, it's great. For those of us who are seeking it, it's great as well. So Thank you for joining us today. So let's let's get this this subject going here. Um, tell us just briefly, you know, and just think about this as the as the audience. What is bone marrow transplant? What is bone? What what about bone marrow has to be transplanted in order to to help somebody with a particular disease and stem cell donation? Just kind of give us the the aura around that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Stan and Clarence, for having me on the show today. So, yep, again, I'm a donor recruitment coordinator at Be The Match. So basically what we are striving to do with Be The Match is help individuals with blood cancer or blood disease find a life-saving donor who's going to donate either blood stem cells or bone marrow um, both forms are going to have those stem cells. Those are your blood forming cells. Um, so this is important when an individual has a blood disease or blood disorder, when they are receiving these healthy blood stem cells from a donor, it helps them to be able to fight off the disease or cancer that is in their blood and acts basically as a life-saving treatment for many individuals um, who often have no other options other than this transplant. So um, tell me a couple of the diseases, the, yeah. the kind of diseases that you, that, 
bone marrow transplant and stem cell donation helps. Yep. So for blood cancer, some commonly known ones are going to be leukemia or lymphoma. Um, for blood diseases, sickle cell disease can be cured through a blood stem cell or bone marrow transplant. Uh, those are some common ones that people tend to know. Yeah. All right. Tell us about Be The Match. What yeah. is this place? You know, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, um, probably I'm guessing that most people don't know about it, perhaps until they need to know about it. Okay. Absolutely. But at any rate, tell us about Be The Match. Definitely. Yeah. So Be The Match, um, you know, first and foremost, we run the largest and most diverse registry in the nation. Uh, that's for finding donors to donate blood stem cells or bone marrow. We also provide um, patient support for individuals who have blood disease or blood cancer before and after the transplant process. Um, so providing financial support, emotional support, um, just kind of any kind of care that they may need. Uh, we also do a lot of research um, to help just improve the transplant process and patient experience as well as, um, you know, do a widespread awareness campaign and educate healthcare professionals that um, these transplants do save lives, how it happens, how you can utilize the registry and make sure that patients are um, fully aware of this, you know, the transplant process. Okay. So let's go through this a little bit. All right. Yeah. And let's play it out. Okay. Yeah. Let's say, for instance, I have some kind of a, personally, let's just say, I have some kind of a blood disease and I'm in need of um, some assistance here. Okay, um, whether it be bone marrow or stem cell. Um, run me and perhaps a donor. Mm -hmm. let's, 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 let's say Clarence will be a donor or a potential donor, okay? All right, so here I am, I'm the sick one, and Clarence, you know, hopefully can help me out. Run, run us, run the audience through the process that happens in order to get this thing going here. Absolutely, yeah, so that's a great question. And I do wanna just highlight that I act mostly on the donor side of operations, being a donor recruitment coordinator. Um, so just to give a little bit of information, if you are a patient and your doctor has determined that a blood stem cell or bone marrow transplant is your best chance of fighting off your disease, mm -hmm. um, they'll just, you know, they'll know which one, if it's blood stem cells or bone marrow, that would be best for your health recovery. Um, from there, the doctors and a lot of the transplant centers are going to have like a transplant coordinator that is going to be actively working with the Be The Match registry in order to search and see who are the potential donors. Just with the preliminary information we have on people who join the registry, which I'll get to, we're mm -hmm. seeing, we're flagging who could be potential donors. From there, those individuals may be asked to provide additional in, like screening, such as cheek swabs or a blood test in order to determine if they are what's called a perfect match for the patient. And that's going to be to make sure that the patient has the best chance of engraftment, accepting the donation, and surviving afterwards with few, if none, health complications. So, that's so if, if Clarence is a, is a friend of mine, mm -hmm. and, um, and I'm the sick one, it's not necessarily Clarence that I, that I would, you know, it, it's nice that he'd be willing to, you know, donate if needed, but, but not necessarily the match. Okay, mm -hmm. correct? 
Exactly. Yeah. So individuals can get screened to see if they would be a match for a friend or family member. Oftentimes a patient or actually always a patient is going to have their family members screened to see it. Ideally, if their siblings are going to be a match. However, 70% of individuals who need a transplant do not have a perfect match in their family and therefore must rely on a volunteer donor. Um, it is a very complex matching process. So a lot of individuals think that it's like blood typing where anyone who has your blood type can be a donor. Um, it's actually much more specific. It comes down to what's called HLA markers. And so those are things that you, you genetically inherit them from your parents. So you're getting 50% of your HLA from your mom, 50% from your dad. And so we do see that, you know, the matching process is a lot more complicated. There's a lot fewer matches just worldwide, even if everyone found, or even if everyone was on the registry, not everyone might necessarily have a donor, unfortunately. So is, is a thing that we can promote mm -hmm. um, that people should be on the registry just to just be on it? or you know sign up or what what do you do do you be do you are you on the registry only when you volunteer or or can you just sign up anytime yeah so um i would definitely love for listeners if they're able to to join the registry anyone between the ages of 18 and 40 can join the registry um, joining the registry takes less than five minutes what you do is fill out an online registration form and then either if you're um, registering at an event in person or if you're registering online, we'll either do a swab kit in person or mail you a swab kit in the mail. Um, so what that is, is just two swabs. You're going to do a cheek swab in order to get just a tiny bit of your DNA that allows um, us to, or the registry and doctor searching the registry to identify just some preliminary HLA markers to see if you would be a match for a patient searching the registry for a donor. Um, Great. So, so Clarence, you're chomping at the bit here. I can tell. Yeah, I am. I am. I am <laughs> chomping at the bit. Okay. So, Rachel, I just, I got, I really have two questions for you. So, you mentioned 18 to 40 year old as a restriction. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So, the majority of the time, we see that transplants are going to be most successful with a younger patient. Um, okay. If you think about it, it, even just like giving a little bit of your immune system to a patient is the younger the individual, the healthier that immune system um, and the less likely that they've experienced other kind of health complications that could interfere with the donation process. Okay. Um, the vast majority of the time, doctors looking for a donor are going to prefer individuals aged 18 to 35. Um, okay. Yep. Okay, so, so, that, so that so much for us, Clarence. <laughs> well, I, was say, I, 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 I was willing to volunteer. Okay, yeah, yeah, wait, 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 wait. So, so Rachel, another thing too is when you go out and you and you're recruiting people, what are some of the most common questions people ask you? Yeah, absolutely. So, I think first and foremost, just knowing what you would even be donating. Uh, so, making sure individuals know what the process for blood stem cell donation or bone marrow looks like. Another misconception is that it's a very um, intense and painful process to donate, especially with bone marrow. Um, there's been a lot of bad press with shows like House making it seem like it's a very uh, intense procedure, but a lot of advancements have been made so that people are not feeling pain during the procedure. Um, some other common questions are, uh, can you choose who you donate to? 
So I think that it's important for individuals joining the registry to know that you're signing up to donate to whoever you match to, uh, not just, oh, I just want to donate to Clarence. And if I match with anyone else, I'm not interested. Yeah, I think that was that was that was one of the things that uh, for me was a, a primary question. And I think you already answered that was, does it hurt? Yes. Because <laughs> I people are like, no, 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 this uh, is a hurt. I don't want to know my life, you know, so. But no, I think I think that. Uh, but I also want to know this: how how common is uh, uh, blood, uh, bone marrow and stem cell tr uh, transplants? Because uh, you know, it, it's like it's not necessarily something that people would. I mean, we talk about organ and and liver. I mean, and kidney. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, I mean. So I know that that's also part of the world in which you live. <laughs> but but you know, very seldom do you hear hear conversations about you know, bone marrow stem uh, and, and stem cell transfer. So how common is this? Yeah, so it's actually not super common. So even individuals who join the registry are not guaranteed to go on to donate. The numbers range, but generally on average, like one out of every 400 individuals who joins the registry actually gets matched to donate. There okay. Are, it, it's impossible to provide exact statistics just because there's so right. much variance on individual case. Um, and then when you, if you do actually match with a patient, 80% of the time, you're going to be donating blood stem cells and 20% of the time, it would be the bone marrow transplant. So bone marrow is probably the least common out of all. Right. So, so, okay. So, so let's, let's talk about the pain again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, because On I both sides, patient and donor, right? Definitely. So I, I think that, so, so the, the blood stem process uh, is that just taking your blood or is it more to it? Bone marrow it obviously sounds like a, a, a uh, uh, they have to actually go inside the bone. So mm -hmm. tell me, so just help me to understand, you know, blood stem and, and, and uh, bone marrow. Definitely. Yeah. So I'll walk, I'll walk you through the two different donation processes. So okay. we've got Peripheral blood stem cell donation. Again, that's about 80% of the time that you're donating, you're donating those blood stem cells. So what you're gonna do if you are actually 100% confirmed to donate, you're gonna start with five daily shots prior to the collection of filgrastin. That helps you stimulate your blood stem cell production. That's where most of the side effects with blood stem cell donation comes because you may experience a little muscle or bone soreness and headaches as a side effect of that filgrastim. The actual blood stem cell donation process, uh, the only pain that you would experience during the process is going to be that initial needle going into your arm. We compare the donation process to donating platelets because you're going in like a blood draw. So a machine is taking blood out of one arm and then separating the blood stem cells and then putting all the blood and other good stuff back in your other arm. So you're not losing any blood during the process. And so we actually see that individuals who can't donate blood for anemia or weight issues can still go on to donate blood stem cells. So that recovery is super short. Individuals are constantly regenerating their blood stem cells. So they're replenished within a matter of days. They're also back to work the next day, generally. Bone marrow transplant, that's again, going to be 20% of the time that you're donating is a, is a surgical procedure. So you, it is an outpatient procedure. You're going to the hospital, you're going under general anesthesia. So you don't feel any pain during the process, but you're getting marrow extracted from your back pelvic bone. 
And then that is going to the patient. And so individuals are going to experience some soreness or tenderness in their lower back for about like a week to two weeks. We hear after the bone marrow transfer or after the bone marrow donation, I've heard people compare it to falling on the ice or going through a really tough workout and being sore the next day. Um, but if you're not working, you know, a manual labor job, generally people are also back at work within a matter of days. Thank so you. Here's for a, here's, so here's a question. Okay. So I, to be blunt, they stick a needle in you or whatever, mm -hmm. and they extract. How much do they extract? Yeah. So you actually from a patient. It's going to depend. So you, on average, you're losing between one and 5% of your bone marrow. Now, bone marrow is essential for a healthy immune system. So we like to emphasize that this is such a tiny amount that we do. the donors are not left with a weakened immune system. Um, and they are completely replenishing that bone marrow loss within a matter of four to six weeks. Okay, for the patient who's sick, mm -hmm. um, why do they need it? Is it because they're, they, they've been given such, uh, for instance, such, like a friend of mine, such strong radiation that their bone marrow has been compromised. Tell me why, tell me. Yeah, so generally it's just the blood stem cells in your marrow and your, you know, everywhere. So are already compromised because of your blood disease or blood cancer. And so what you need is a, um, you need the, the donation in order to put healthy blood stem cells into your body that can then, if they engraft, they'll start to create new healthy blood stem cells that then allow the patient to better fight off their disease. So we don't see that the donation is the cure, but more the cause for the cure, right? So you receive the donation, then your body is better equipped to fight the blood disease or blood cancer. And that's when we see the rates of um, curing the diseases, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you know, Claire, I should probably be interested in this for, for African-American power. Talk to me about sickle cell, sickle yeah. cell anemia. Yep, absolutely. So sickle cell, blood, blood stem cell transplants right now are the only known cure for sickle cell disease. Uh, that's huge because it is such a pressing issue, especially in the African-American community. We see that individuals of African descent are predisposed to sickle cell disease or having the sickle cell trait. Um, it's an inherited red blood cell disease. And so individuals with sickle cell disease, their red, their red blood cells are supposed to be like circle shaped and go easily through the blood vessels. With sickle cell, they're more C-shaped and they're also hard and sticky. So this can cause them to get stuck in a blood vessel, which then causes extreme pain for a sickle cell patient. It can also put them at risk of health complications such as infection, uh, stroke, and other uh, complications. So they also sickle cell disease or sickle cells die faster than normal red blood cells. So they're at a constant um, deficiency of their red blood cells, which is a problem. Um, so I actually want to plug while talking about sickle cell is that I am running an awareness campaign in Minnesota. And we are working with a 14-year-old girl who is a sickle cell patient. She's African-American. She lives in the Twin Cities. And she does not currently have a donor on the registry. And she, her doctors are saying this is her best chance. And so what we're trying to do is raise awareness for her fight and her um, struggle to find 
a match on the registry so that she can find a donor. Well, great. Then, uh, then hopefully that, you know, you know, as another vehicle through this podcast and maybe in, you know, through human, uh, human partnership, we can get some, uh, some people out there and, and register to see if we can get a match for the, for this, this girl. So, and you know, I, I, go I'm ahead say Dan, real quickly. And I, I thank you for, for kind of doing that piece is that this is why we do the podcast is that there are things that are going on that people can participate in. People might be of interest in, uh, people are looking to help, um, you know, make our community healthier. And sometimes they just don't know what they can do. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's sometimes. And so, uh, it's very, uh, it's very important that people understand the importance of, uh, you know, uh, a bone marrow and 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 stem cell uh, a transplant, and maybe somebody might be willing to do that. And that's why we do these kind of podcasts. So how, su- how successful is this? Okay, you do a bone marrow transplant or a, a stem cell donation. Um, how successful is it? So it is really going to come down to the patient. Um, some individuals, you know, it is successful. We do see that it is the only known cure for a lot of blood diseases and blood cancers. I'll speak from personal experience that my friend, um, how I actually found out about Be The Match has non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she has actually gone into remission because of a bone marrow transplant. And she's doing phenomenally. Right. That's not right. something that we thought was going to be possible. Um, however, health outcomes can change for every individual. Um, and sometimes, you know, you'll receive a transplant and you, uh, you get a few more years left to live, but then you, your disease comes back, unfortunately. So I, I can't give an exact statistic for how successful they are, but. But you know, sometimes, sometimes buying time, even if you get a, a little more, you never know what research will, will come up with in order during that time that you bought. In Absolutely. Order to make things better for, for a patient. Okay. So now I'm going to talk about you. You're a coordinator at Be the Match. All right. So run us through the day in the life of a donor recruitment coordinator. <laughs> so, so every day is going to look a little different. Um, but pretty much my main goal is just to get individuals to join the registry. So that's making sure that communities are aware that this registry even exists, that there's Mm -hmm. a need for individuals to volunteer to be potential donors um, and to join the registry if they're able. And so by doing that, I'm doing events all the time. So a lot of time we partner up with a lot of college campuses because of that age demographic is so important. So doing tabling events, doing large registration drives at college campuses, getting in front of classrooms and doing presentations to speak to students. We also do um, like lunch and learns with organizations and companies so that they can learn more about the registry. Um, Anything like this also just, it's an awareness campaign. It's being a health educator. It's um, rallying enthusiasm, building a little network of students who will then go off and run registration drives and recruit their friends um, on their own time. So that's why I love it because it's such, every day is different and you're out of community. It's very noble. All right. So um, what you bring up is um, perhaps a little bit of the, the, the combination of the medical side 
of the equation, which you, you went into as far as uh, patient needs and then um, donors, donors. And, and what it takes in order to be a donor. But then there's the public health aspect, okay, which, you, which you've alluded to here as far as education, educating the, I mean, I don't know about you, Clarence, but I feel educated just on this podcast today. Okay, so, but you know, but th this is only in a micro sense. How do you do it more in a macro sense? And that's through education. Um, uh, you put out um, different things in, in, in the community. Do you go to specific communities like African-American or American Indian or uh, communities or populations that are at higher risk? Do you focus? Yes. So that's a great question. So actually I do. So not every donor recruitment coordinator does, but I am part of a health equity team hmm. um, that's part of a partnership that we have with Blue Cross Blue Shield Minnesota that's just focused on diversity recruitment um, for the Be The Match Registry. So play one out, play oh. one out, African-American or... Yeah, that was, that, that was going to be my, that was going to be my comment too, is that, you know, different communities have different diseases and different kinds of needs. And I know that, uh, you know, you mentioned sickle cell for the African-American community. That might be a different type of need for the uh, Native American community or the Asian community. And I think it's kind of important just kind of let people know that, you know, there are, there are uh, specific ethnic, ethnic needs that, that could come up and could emerge. And so people should not feel like, well, it's, it doesn't affect me. So, you know, I mean, because there are various ways in which people will enter this conversation and where they feel comfortable in this conversation. So I just wanted to, to just say uh, thank you for, you know, for uh, saying that, but are there other communities that have specific needs when it comes to bone marrow and um, uh, stem cells? Yeah, so I think every every community is going to have their own individual need. I think why we focus so much on reaching diverse communities is actually because um, you're most likely to match a donor and a patient of the same race or ethnicity. Okay. That's because your HLA markers are inherited from your parents. Right. So you're, again, most likely going to have an HLA match of someone who's of the same um, race or ethnic descent. And because of that, and because of the lack of diversity on our registry, we have unequal health outcomes for patients depending on their race or ethnicity. So right now, if you're white or Caucasian, you have a 79% chance of finding a donor on our registry. But if you're African-American, you have a 29% chance. And so you know what? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I'm glad that you can enter that conversation because that's many, many times the conversation people don't want to talk about. Yeah. You, know, and, you know, really, I mean, you know, we, you know, we, you know, we, we have all this conversation about, you know, health equity and stuff like that. But that's that's this is still a very, very uh, complicated, touchy subject for many people mm -hmm. who don't understand the importance of entering this into a more holistic perspective mm -hmm. and understand what the specific impact of their actions are. You know, what I mean, so uh, so I applaud you. For you know, for, for you know, for throwing out throwing out those numbers and being okay with that, you know, because a lot of people who might be in health equity are not as comfortable talking about these issues and numbers. 
But uh, that's definitely true, Clarence. But it's like if you're running an awareness campaign, a lot of the times that's going to be what makes people want to join the registry is knowing that they're helping individuals from their same racial community. They don't know that if they're not joining the registry, that they're affecting their own community, their mm -hmm. racial community. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think also highlighting that it comes, I think a lot of individuals don't know that it comes down to a race or an ethnic match right. um, because it doesn't for blood donors or, a, you know. And so, and, and, and that, and that's not a societal thing. That's just a real thing, right? That's just yeah, a human. Exactly. That's a human thing. So you right, don't, have, you don't, you right. don't have to get into that other, that other, other stuff. And that's why I think that you know this conversation is, you know, at least at, at this particular point, this conversation is very important that people mm -hmm. understand that you know uh, we have some social constructs about how things are, but there's just some other human being things that mm -hmm. are that we have we have to really deal with. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, one question I have is um, you, you said that Be The Match is uh, Minnesota based, mm -hmm. but are you connected with Be The Match in other states? And when you say a registry, are you only talking about a registry for Minnesota or are you talking about a registry regionally, nationally, yeah. What are we so, talking about? Be the Match is headquartered in Minnesota, but we actually have staff in every state and then also in Puerto Rico and Mexico. And so okay. those staff members are doing what I'm doing of finding donors, recruiting donors to the registry or potential donors to the registry. So we have a national presence and our registry actually is international. So if you're on the registry, but you match with a patient who's in Finland, you mm -hmm. can still, you would donate to that patient. So we don't register internationally. So we're not out in other countries other than Mexico um, looking for donors. However, our registry is accessible to people internationally, if that makes sense. Got it. So then do you, is the organization responsible for um, transportation of the, of, the, of the bone marrow and et cetera to the patient? In other words, let's say the match if I'm the patient, let's say my match is in, I don't know, Israel. Okay. So um, are you responsible then for getting that donation from Israel to stand in Minnesota? We are. Yeah. So we actually have volunteer careers, both who are, work with the organization and don't work with the organization who um, will or who will transport the donation. Um, Got to it. Go to the transplant center. So they're flying internationally, they're flying nationally um, in order to get that sample to where it needs to be. Got it. Okay. Maddie, you got a great question. I know you're yeah. chomping at the bit. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, first of all, thanks so much, Rachel, for coming on. I've already learned so much. So on a personal level, this is really, really fascinating. Um, I was kind of browsing the Be the Match website um, and just doing some preliminary research, and I was seeing a lot of um, things about cord blood. Um, so I was wondering if maybe you could speak a little bit to what that is. And then also I saw a recent Good Morning America piece about how cord blood might be kind of quote unquote, helping to level the playing field, um, especially within, you know, that cord blood donation is becoming increasingly popular among the African-American community specifically. Um, so I was wondering if, you know, because they have such a 
like you were saying, a lower chance of finding a match that cord blood was kind of stepping in as a substitute for that um, discrepancy or disparity. So I was wondering if you can kind of speak to that at all. Yeah, that's a great question, Maddie. I, I, I will be honest and say that since I work with adult donors, I do not venture much into the uh, cord blood donation. I do know that that is another really important way that individuals can donate um, because it is through, uh, you know, your newborn baby's cord blood. Um, and I do know that something that I have heard is that when an adult donor is matching, they're looking for a match of eight to 10 of your HLA markers with the donor. Whereas with cord blood, you only need four to six HLA matches. Mm. So that might make it so that it's um, easier to match through cord blood, but I don't want to dive too much into it just because I don't work much with that issue. So yeah. let, me ask, let, me, let me do this follow-up question then. So if they're, how, how, um, what kind of education is going into into the community for people to understand that? I mean, you know, if if you, you talked about different communities having uh, you know issues, and you need eight to eight eight for adults, but only four for um, if you have blood cord, um, how how much of that information is going into the community? You know, yeah. So. Honestly, I don't know what is the rate of us spreading the information about cord blood to individuals in the same way that we um, educate potential donors, but I do know that a lot of the education is going to be with healthcare professionals, and so then that they're having those conversations with uh, you know new parents and to let them know that that is a form of donation. So I do think that they're you know, we should be incorporating that into every conversation because especially when individuals maybe aren't able to donate or maybe not willing to go through a procedure and donate, that that may seem like something that's more accessible to them. So if I, I keep using myself, if I'm sick and, you know, and, and my physician tells me, you know, Stan, you're going to need a, um, a bone marrow transplant given the procedures that we've done on you so far. Okay, how long, assuming that, well, th this might be a hard question, but how long will it be before I know? Typically, what, what's the average connection time between a patient and a donor? Oh, so like what's the average time that a patient would have to wait for a donor? Correct, correct. So unfortunately, because there's so many variations that go into each individual case, we, there's not an exact time because okay. an individual may have, you know, a lot more um, of a unique tissue type. And so therefore would just have less potential matches in the world. Um, they could also have a match on the registry who ends up not being willing to donate or not able to donate for numerous reasons. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of differences that go into each yeah, individual. Yeah. So the best case scenario would be that, you know, we'd have so many people signed up for in the, in the registry worldwide that, um, you know, for any patient not to worry because there's going to be someone in the world that will be able to get this match to you within, you know, a reasonable amount of time. That would be a, a, a reasonable public health goal in order to really get get the word out there okay 
I want to, what, what's a really good success story? You know, you, you've been, you know, in the, in this work for a while now, tell us one that really just sticks with you. That's been, God, this is so great because we were able to truly help this person. Tell us one of the best ones. Oh my gosh. I mean, so I am impartial in that I find my best friend's journey to find a match and to find a donor, the one that hits me the most, just because I personally experienced her struggle with the disease and have seen how her life has rebounded Mm -hmm. since getting the donation. So she just got back from a trip to Europe. She's back at work. So it is really exciting to see that she has this new life. We do call it a second life when people receive these transplants. Um, but there are so many success stories of patients. My gosh, like there will be, you know, little kids who have been struggling with a disease since they were born, who get a transplant and are able to be a little kid again and not have to worry about their health issues. There are so many examples of donors and patients meeting a year after their donation and forming close friendships or feeling like they're part of each other's families. Um, so I do think that there's just so, there's so many successes. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, a great message as we as we come to the close of this show is on both sides of the equation we're trying to um, have some happiness mm-hmm. and um, happiness for the person that that's getting the actual transplant and happiness from the person who's donating because mm-hmm. you know that, that I can't I can't imagine the happiness that a person feels that they, they re, even though they might have to go through a little bit of poking and prodding and that type of thing. But in the end, how happy can you be when you've been able to truly help someone? And um, I can only imagine, um, you know, part of the equation here is to uh, connect those people eventually, maybe if they, <laughs> if they, if they like, if they're willing to, mm-hmm. um, whereby, you know, they can hug each other. You know, and that that to me would be wow. That would be a great, great feeling. So I want to thank you. Wow. I, I, well, Stan, I, Stan, I, I, I really I think, learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, Stan. I think uh, Manny has another question though. So okay, go, Manny. I do have another question, um, but then maybe we can wrap it up on a more positive note. Just because I have a a question that's not not as as happy as what Stan was just speaking to, but just for you know, transparency reasons. Um, I do know that there are, you know, complications with engraftment and everything. And I know you're more on the donor side of things, but I was wondering if you could maybe, you know, speak to um, some of the engraftment issues, you know, maybe specifically what's called graft versus host disease I know of, Um, but but then maybe, um, you know, how advances in technology and medication have sort of been able to mitigate that disease, um, if, if at all. So yeah, maybe if you could just speak a little bit to, to that. I I can speak a tiny bit to it, Maddie. That's a great question, but a little bit outside of my scope of expertise. It'd be the match, um, in terms of medication and medical advancements. I do know that with graft versus host disease, you know, the body is seeing the 
transplant as a foreign object. And so it's then attacking it. So that is a life-threatening disease um, and something that our transplant centers are working actively to avoid at all costs. And that's why it's so important to find the perfect match um, for an individual, just because that does really lower the risk of complications and health concerns. Um, but yeah, as far as medical advancements, unfortunately, I just don't have uh, enough expertise to speak on the matter. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. No, yeah, that was still that was a that was a great answer. I definitely just wanted to touch on the fact that, you know, there are imperfections with the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the process, and it's important to kind of on both ends be knowledgeable of those things for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Rachel, I, I personally, I want to thank you for being willing to be on this podcast because we do come at you from a lot of different ways. Uh, and that's purposeful, though. That's purposeful. And I think that, you know, you, you've handled yourself, you know, most expertly uh, in terms of answering these questions. And I, I am I'm very happy to see you doing your health equity work and how you are approaching the work and educating the community. And I think that that's what we need. We need to, we, we need to answer these very hard uh, questions with people that really have a, a sensitivity to the various factors and various groups that will be impacted by them. And so I just personally want to thank you for how you responded today uh, in terms of these questions and, uh, you know, wish you the best and uh, if, you know, if we could help in whatever way that means, that means human or, or you know, a podcast or the podcast where you bring somebody else back. I mean, that would be great. But uh, it's really important for us on Health Chatter to have people like yourself who would be willing to to say, I don't know, you know, versus, you know, oh, I know everything. You know what I mean? So I just, I just, just want you to know that. So, so I, I appreciate that. I say no, your turn. One, Take us on. One one thing that we we always like to do at the end of our of our our shows is what can we do? And I, obviously, a theme in in this show is sign up. You know, okay, mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Sign up. It's worthy, and and you will. the The end in view is happiness, and and I think that that's that's definitely something that we should all try to do, especially if you're between the ages of. What was it again? It's 18 to 40. 18 to 40. Again, Clarence and I, you know, we'll, we'll be cheerleaders. We'll be cheerleaders. <laughs> we'll be cheerleaders. Okay. That's okay. about it. That's about it. <laughs> all right. Okay. So thanks to you. And, and thanks for, for all this in, information. It's been really, really great. For all of us, our next show will be on polypharmacy, which in English means a lot of medication. okay (laughs) and it'll be an interesting show so until next time keep health chatting away 